The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect that of WVFS Tallahassee. From the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole sports, this is Tomahawk Talk. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and we are live on 89.7 WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, joined by my good friend and co-host, once again, Gary Putnick. Gary, we are live. Florida State is at Cameron Indoor, about to take on the Blue Devils, Blue, Duke Blue Devils <laughs> in a top 10 matchup. I'm so excited for this game. Uh, again, we'll get the chance to... Uh, bring live updates from that contest I'm, I'm pretty pumped how about you oh no i love this i love it when we're live they're live everything's live right now this is a great time <laughs> and uh joining our panel tonight we got jake mossing and sam collins who if you watch florida state basketball on the television or if you're in attendance at the donald tucker civic center you will usually see dressed as officials in the knoll zone <laughs> Um, partying with the likes of Dick Vitale and other ESPN and, and TV personalities. Jake, uh, glad to have you back on the show. How are you feeling about this Florida State basketball team thus far this season? So far this season, it's been great. It's The atmosphere at the Civic Center has been amazing. There's a lot of energy. Almost every home game is selling out, especially this new year. I think everyone has sold out. So that's that's huge to have the whole student section, which is about a fourth of the arena, just filled up and loud and antsy and everyone jumping around. That gets the team really hyped up, and I think it's really shown so far this season. And, and Sam, big part of the Knoll Zone. <laughs> we see you front and center pretty much every week. What has that been like, uh, it's a new student section that has kind of been revived this year? I know it existed in some form previously but you guys have been a huge part of the effort to bring it back what has that been like yeah it's been really exciting it's been like really revamped this season and there's just a lot more energy than in past years i think we're all excited about fsu being a now a perennial like top 25 team so that excitement is just going to continue to build for hopefully future seasons also yeah you mentioned the word you know you say the word perennial and that's that's kind of what we've been preaching on the show for a while you know the tournament runs are fun but it's important to see, uh, as the Duke and Florida State game uh, tips off, we'll have live updates from that. But it is important to see Florida State have success year in, year out in the ACC, one of the toughest leagues, the toughest league in the country usually this year. I know it's taken a step back. Um, but, but Jake, what, what are some of the things you guys uh, do as part of the Knoll Zone that, that uh, increases the atmosphere at the Civic Center uh, and, and really is a big part of Florida State's success? Right, so the Knoll Zone was revamped this year, as you already stated, and basically we have 15 board members, and they're split into five different groups. So we have one group that's the student section leaders, so their job is to dress up, get excited for games, and just be as loud and, and animate as possible. Another group we have is recruitment, trying to get people to come out to games, which has, hasn't been a problem this year. Another group we have is social media, posting memes and funny stuff uh, before and after games. And another group we have is marketing. So that is planning theme nights and getting people to dress up, whiteouts, blackouts, planning T-shirts that people wear and giving them out. Um, I know the Hamsterdam shirts was a good one. A lot of people I grabbed, like that. I grabbed one of those. They are awesome. They, they're pretty cool. And there's a few other ones. Uh, Terrence Mann and Kevin Galley, we had a shirt for a few people yeah. for that one. And the last group, which I am a part of this one, is the dirt sheet. So I'm kind of biased because I'm on it. But... Our job is to look up, I guess, dirt and bad things <laughs> about opposing players and roast them, print the sheets out, and give them to every fan. Uh, see, I, I've read these dirt sheets, and, and Jake, I, I love you, man. <laughs> Thank you, you go really far on some of these. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're looking at Instagram pages and, and making fun of haircuts. Right. And, Wait, uh, I, res I respect yeah. it, though. I respect it. And, 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 
you guys in the Null Zone do so much to to add to the emphasis, uh, the atmosphere at the Civic Center. Coach Hamilton and the, and the rest of the team have, have talked about it so often, uh, how important it is, the work that you guys do. I, I got to ask uh, Sam and Jake, what has been, what was the uh, origin of the the referee costume that we see you guys <laughs> f- front row? You got a picture with Dick Vitale. I think we put it on our socials. If not, we'll we'll try to get that to put on our socials um, tonight. Um, what? So what? How did that come about? Uh, uh, it, I don't really know the exact origin of, but uh, we just wanted to do something different, like stand out, be like, hey, we're like we're FSU fans, like we're we're we have our own unique flair to it, and I think I guess we came to the conclusion that referees were the way to go. Yeah, I was thinking before the season, I wanted to dress up and do something. I think I mentioned to Sam and two other guys that go to pretty much every game with us that one of us should be a football referee, someone should be an umpire, uh, <laughs> someone should be soccer, you know how that goes, but uh, they didn't come along with us and, and now they're missing out because they weren't in that Dick Vitale picture. So. You, well, you guys do pretty much <laughs> get sorry. on TV uh, every single home game um, and, and again, I know firsthand that not only Coach Hamilton but the, the entire team really, really appreciate some of the guys, uh, some of the work you guys do as fans and, and as students at this university. It's something that Florida State basketball, I don't want to say has lacked. The support's always been there, but the organized effort um, from students to to be in attendance and, and be loud and, and be organized at these games has lacked. If you you know compared to some of these other ACC schools, obviously Cameron and Door, the, uh, the the uh, the crazies over at Duke, they're obviously a. a, a big example of what Florida State can aspire to be um, as the basketball program keeps on ascending um, the ranks of the ACC and tonight uh, tied 2-2 we're 17 and a half minutes left in the half um, in this game between Florida State and Duke let's talk a little bit about Florida State basketball in, the, in their last week uh, last Monday we were on air live when they hosted the North Carolina Tar Heels uh, we, we ended our show around halftime and Florida State uh, was was down a point, I think, or were they up a point going up a point, three to put them? Ahead. I think four set of three to put them ahead. And I think I mentioned uh, how my my roommate Alex, who is going to be doing our seminal segment tonight, uh, hates when his teams are up a point going into halftime because they are not hungry enough. They've got to be down a point, so they're hungry going into the second half. Florida State, though, no problem for them. They finished off the win, uh, 65-59. Trent Forrest, who had a bit of a rough first half, picked things up in the second, finished the night. With 14 points, he was 5 for 12 from the field. Uh, Raekwon Gray had a nice performance. He had 12. I know I've been harsh on Raekwon on, on the show in the past. And Pat Williams, 14 points, 3 for 4 from the field. Got to the free throw line, uh, took 6 shots from the charity stripe, and made all 6. Gary, Pat Williams, not getting the minutes that I think everyone was expecting he would get um, as a, a high-rated freshman recruit. Um, I thought he was going to start for most of this year. He's maybe started one or two games. Hamilton has kind of solidified him as coming off the bench and, and playing a big role. What are your thoughts on, on Pat Williams and, and what he's provided to this team so far this season? Well, we talked about it right at the end of the show last week. I remember it because we were going off and we were talking about Patrick Williams and the amount of playing time that he's gone. I think he's it's fair for what he for what he is right now. I just don't I like it how Hamilton's kind of holding him back, not really trying to push him too far because. Sometimes that can really end up messing up a player, and I'm happy with the way he's playing right now. He's certainly hasn't like wowed us in every single way. I mean, like his dunks are impressive, and he's got certainly some pretty nice hops. But I want to see him do a little bit more. He he's stepped it up big time, and mm-hmm. I think that's that's something he's he's. It took him a while to get used to the the play in the ACC. It's tough 
And it's got to be really hard when probably his whole life he was the best player, one of the best players on the court. And now you're playing in a league with some of the best players in the country against some of the top coaches in the country, including tonight um, when they're taking on Duke and Coach Krzyzewski. Um, but, you know, nine rebounds, 14 points in the game against North Carolina. He's really starting to come alive, really starting to come into his own. And i got to talk a little bit about what he did in the Miami game. We're going to break down uh, all of that game in just a little bit. But Florida State's got a double-digit lead, and he's throwing major dunks down. And Florida State fans probably probably wincing a little bit because you look at the way he grades athletically and the way he's starting to play um, this season, and NBA scouts are going to take notice of that. Yeah, he's certainly going to be drawing some eyes his way, but it's still I think it's still going to take a little bit of time for him to develop and really try and understand who he is as a basketball player in a more competitive league. Because I know high school basketball, he played in the Carolinas. He's from up there. So he certainly has played against some really good players, but he needs to get play against real the big boys. If he decides to leave, he will be drafted. I don't know where mm-hmm. he would be drafted. It could be late first, could be in the second. Um, he is grading high enough to where he would be drafted. But if he stays, Jake, what, are, what could happen with Pat Williams' career and his career trajectory if he plays for one more year at Florida State? I think it's going to be unbelievable if he stays one more year. I think Coach Ham can really, really develop him some more, and he can develop his game, um, especially find who he is on offense. I know Sam and I were talking at the start of the season asking ourselves, why isn't he getting more minutes? And we answered, it's because he just doesn't fit into this Florida State offense. And a team has to figure out what their best lineup is every year. I understand that. But he just wasn't developed there. So at this point in the season, I think he's shooken off the freshman I know, like, ants, antsiness, I guess is the right word there. Um, and he's he's finally finding himself, and it's at the most opportune time when Florida State's about to go into the tournament in March. And right now he's finding himself coming off the bench, which has got to be tough for a, for a five-star recruit that has been a star for, for all of his life. Um, it looks like we're headed to the first media timeout. Devin Vassell might have picked up a, a slight a slight injury here. He went up for a rebound and jump ball is called, so it was a bit of a struggle to uh, decide who gets the ball, but ultimately Duke will get the ball because the possession error has gone their way. But interesting stat there at the U16 timeout, Florida State over 7 from field goals. And so the Only two, two points, points came from fee- uh, free throws. And they are trailing 5-2 to two in that game with exactly six minute, 16 minutes left to play in the first half. Let's talk a little bit about Trent Forrest. Um, an essential player in this Florida State basketball team and has been for the last two seasons. The offensive production isn't always there. He's not a great shooter, but if he gets going downhill, he's going to be able to take it to the basket and, and provide points for Florida State. But on the nights that he is not you know, finding the basket with ease, Sam, what, what have you seen from Trent that helps this team move forward and, and stay competitive and, and win a lot of basketball games? Well, Trent's just, he's he's just a winner. Like, he just wants to get out there, and he wants to do what's right for his team. You know, he might, you know, go to the hole, you know, take that shot, but he's also a pretty effective distributor of the ball as well. He has some really nice no-look passes and stuff like that, and I think if he continues that, then FSU will continue winning games, but in the games that he has struggled or start off slow, that's when I feel like FSU has gone off to a slow start. And then we saw that a little bit against North Carolina, and Trent stepped it up a little bit in the second half. And, uh, and that's what he kind of does. When things are not going great, you can really count on him to, to carry the team forward, move, move the team forward, and, and keep them in basketball games. Um, but, yeah, something that he's a, he's a huge team player. He distributes the ball. He plays good defense. And he, he's definitely an important cog in this Florida State machine. Uh, North Carolina in that game a little bit similar in some ways to the way uh, Florida State handled North uh, Louisville with Jordan Noara. 
Um, shut down Jordan Nwana, you can win the game. Cole Anthony is that guy for North Carolina. North Carolina is struggling in all facets of the game this season. Uh, Jake, you were, you were at the game. I was. Uh, do you think Cole Anthony could have, if, if he had performed, he was only 5 for 22 from the field. If he had performed better, North Carolina had a shot to win that one. I completely agree. They were in it pretty much the whole game, and Florida State kind of got bailed out on the the last possession that North Carolina had there. They had about three shots, and and a lot of people were saying that uh, one of their players got fouled. So they they were in it. They were fighting. Cole didn't have a great night. That that came from us playing good defense, but he didn't shoot well, and I I can't put that all on him. He's been injured for a while. I think that that was his second game back, so he's still shaking the rust off a little bit. But if he was on and was the Cole Anthony that we saw at the start of the season, I think Florida State could have lost that basketball game. Gary, what's happened with North Carolina this season? A, a huge step back for Roy Williams' team. It's just injuries for them, really. That's what it comes down to it. That's what it comes down to. Sorry, a little bit of broadcast came through on my <laughs> laptop there. I don't know what happened. but I don't mind it, but the FCC might. Ooh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I get hit with any fines soon. But it's really been injuries for them. They just haven't been able to find their groove. And like Cole Anthony, like it hurts. They are a, they're a good team when Cole Anthony's in there, but when he's not, they're bad. Like like we saw, they like was it? They were they're a three win team or what in the conference? It's just sad uh, to see. Really, they're from bad. Blue they, blood. They gave Duke a run for their money um, at home uh, on Saturday night after the Knolls beat Miami, um, took down the or almost took down the Blue Duke Blue Duke Blue Devils. That's the second time I've tripped Blue, over that. Duke today. Devils, yep. <laughs> um, and uh, ultimately, Duke goes on to win that game in overtime after Trey Jones hit a shot at the buzzer to tie it. And I don't remember who scored it uh, to win, but Duke had like three players foul out. It looked like they were in dire straits, but somehow, just like Duke always does, they found a way to pull it out on the road. And uh, it would have been a huge, huge victory for Florida State if North Carolina had pulled that off. Florida State would have been alone in second place, might have built themselves some room to potentially lose this game. Right now, they're, they're trailing in this one 8-2 to two with 15.5 to go. Not really a margin of error for Florida State. Yeah, and I thought if, Florida, I thought if Duke ended up losing that game to North Carolina, I it probably would have been worse for them tonight, Duke, because Duke would have came and played angry after losing to a bad, a quote unquote bad North Carolina yeah. team or a, a off year for North Carolina, and they would have wanted to prove something because they would have fell a little bit in the rankings. Coach K would have had all the whole pump up speech. He would have dyed his hair a little bit blacker, darker for this game, and he would have ha- rallied the boys around him. So it I, really I get that. Yeah. At the same at the same time, you're look, this is a numbers game. Moving on. Yeah. Florida State, they, there is no margin of error for them to to drop games. If they want to win that ACC regular season title, right now they're they're down nine. It's eleven two with less than fifteen minutes to go in the first half. Over uh, five from three. Over five from three. Over five from still over seven, I believe, on field goal range. So you not have that. good. That so there you go. Margin of error gets even slimmer as we go down this and go down the stretch in this game, and it's still early. It's down still nine. about fifteen minutes left. It looks like a, a team timeout from Leonard Hamilton right there. Uh, only two points on the board. Just not great. Let's talk about. Uh, the game on uh, on Saturday against Miami, a lot of points, a lot of points in this one. Jake, what were your thoughts on, on that victory? Florida State put up 99, 99 points in regulation to beat the Miami Hurricanes. I couldn't believe it. I, if you're going to put up that many points, at least give us 100. That's what we were all thinking. But yeah, it was close. At, at halftime, it was 50 to 47, and rarely do you see any team, especially Florida State, scoring 50 points and a half. And I had friends texting me from Ohio, where I'm from, saying, what is going on in that game? And it was just a complete lapse in defense from both teams. You kind of expect it from Miami, but the way that Florida State has played previously this season, that that was a poor defensive effort overall. 
They should have saved some of those points from Saturday for right now because they certainly need it right now. We always say that. We always say that. Florida State, though, 13 for 26 from three, 50% um, from beyond the arc. That's a huge part uh, of the way they they handled that game on Saturday. 16 for 17 from um, on free throws. Pat Williams, again, another 14 points. MJ Walker stepped up after a bit of a poor performance against North Carolina. He had 14. He was uh, two for four from three. Malik Osborne, two for two from three. He had six points in the victory. And then the Vanilla Sniper. Wyatt Wilkes uh, getting some more minutes. He had 14 minutes in the game. He was 3 for 6 from 3 and 11 points. So Wyatt Wilkes, we said it last week. We said he could be the P.J. Savoy. He might be better than what P.J. Savoy was last year for Florida State. Yeah, and I know there's been some people in the media calling him the P.J. Savoy of FS, or the new P.J. Savoy. first. Yes, it was here first. But, yeah, like we were talking earlier, they may have been doing a little bit of disrespect by calling him P.J. Savoy because he might be better. And Well, you don't want to disrespect P.J. Savoy. He P.J. Savoy was good. Yeah, he did. Big well, moments for he kind of State. fell off at the end, though, at, towards the end of his career, in my I th- opinion. I think he was dealing with injuries, and he was kind of the guy that needed consistent minutes to mm-hmm. – get you know in a rhythm in a game and we've seen that with Wyatt too if he misses his first shot it's probably not his day yeah. if he makes that first one you better watch out because uh he was dirty i mean he, and, he, and and i love i love the way he carries himself he's got uh he's got some moxie exactly yeah some moxie some swagger to him yeah I the way he'll he'll gesture to the crowd after making a shot he'll gesture to the other team he'll point to the name on his back do the finger guns every now is, and then which is something that Florida State basketball really hasn't had yeah, because Florida State, they're always a bunch of quiet, reserved guys who just let their game do the talking. And that's good. I like that. But at the end of the day, you kind of also need a guy who's willing to jaw with the other team and yeah, get it, into it. Well, that's kind of what the, the ACC is energy. About. Yeah. yeah, need that energy. And hopefully he gets into the, well, he's in the game. No, that's the that's Dom. Sorry. Um, hopefully he gets in the game tonight. Just a little bit Duke. taller. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, Florida State, <laughs> though, has made Atlanta two tried. field goals. 11 to 6 two, now. With they made two field goals. So, hey, they're now two for 10, I believe. So yeah, two for ten. Well, hey. <laughs> slowly but surely. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit more than that to to uh, compete against Duke tonight. But Sam, what are your thoughts on on Wyatt Wilkes? Uh, more minutes for him? Less minutes for him? Or uh, I definitely think more minutes. He's been lights out at three uh, lately. He's been getting really hot in bunches, and actually, I think Ham should leave him in longer than he usually does. So uh, that's that's all I pretty much have to say. On defensively wise, if things aren't going well though, he should he's not as strong a defender as the rest of the FSU's team currently. So I think that at him being a liability there, it's depending on how the game is flowing. So the Miami game, he was he was hot. He should have got more minutes. Other games sometimes it's it's you should take him out. Yeah, if it, when, like I said, if he makes that first shot, you know, it could be curtains for the other team because he is dirty, and he's probably the best shooter on this team. I know Devin Vassell can get hot as well. He had 13 points in the win. He was 5 for 9 from the field. We talked about it um, on last week's show. Devin Vassell, a go-to guy for Florida State, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with him being uh, a star on this team, a guy that has uh, NBA prospects, will probably go to the league next year. But if Florida State is only able to rely on Devin Vassell, that, that leads to trouble. And these last two games, North Carolina and Miami, they've spread the ball out. They've had multiple guys getting double digits and scoring, five of them um, against Miami. So, yeah, Devin Vassell, he's the go-to guy. We can all agree on that. But he can't be the only go-to guy. That's not Florida State's brand of basketball. That's how Florida State has been able to shut down other teams. And now other teams are starting to realize if they can take Vassell out of the game, if everyone else is not on their night, it could mean trouble. Yeah, that's ultimately what it comes down to. Florida State is built on their bench. They're built on a team game because 
there's only one basketball. People forget that. So it really comes down to if anyone else can step up on this team. Like in, like in the UNC game, the defensive end at the closer to the back half of that game, Anthony Polite was on fire there, making a yeah. bunch of stops left yeah. and right, and that's really what contributed to that win, and that's what really ultimately got them the win there. Polite is another guy I've been extremely harsh on throughout his Florida State career. Same. Uh, but what he's been able to provide defensively for Florida State, he might be the best defender on the team. Um, I know you've got you got Pat Williams, that's good, uh, really good on the other side of the ball, but, but Anthony Polite really stepping up this year, getting minutes. Another guy that I wanted to highlight that doesn't really get any of the spotlight on this Florida State program, but played a huge uh, role not only in the victory against Miami, but it uh, gave Leonard Hamilton a chance to rest the starting point guard, Trent Forrest, and play him only 24 minutes, is Raekwon Evans. Uh, transfer out of, from, from Montana, um, out of a junior college up there, Raekwon Evans has played uh, minimal minutes throughout most of the season, but he picked up 17 in the win over Miami, 3 for 5 from the field, 8 points. He had 4 rebounds and 3 assists. Gary, your thoughts on, on Raekwon Evans, not Raekwon Gray, uh, in, in what he's on the floor right now for Florida State and what he's done for this program. I've liked what I've seen out of him recently. Early on in the year, and majority of this season, he has he's been pretty quiet. He hasn't and been given the opportunity, and now yeah, he's getting the opportunity. Exactly, and so he's really hopefully he can start to develop himself as the best sixth man, seventh man, eighth man off the bench for this team, where they can go to a guy if Trent gets tired, if Trent gets in foul trouble, because that's going to happen towards the end of the year. Trent could get in tr- uh, foul trouble when it comes to the NCAA tournament, and then what do you do? Because are you going to have uh, Facel take the ball off the court? Are, who are you going to have take it up? Malik, whoever it so be. So it really comes down to needing a solid backup point guard and having someone else to kind of lead the offense when Trent's on the bench. Yeah, and, and uh, some of the other guys that came off the bench in this game, <laughs> towards the end of the game when Florida State had the victory in, in hand, we saw the green team, the walk-ons, get their opportunity to come and play uh, on the floor in a conference game. doesn't happen all that often, but... Uh, Jake, what's it like when you get to see the likes of uh, Will Miles, Harrison Prieto, and Travis Light? You know, get on the floor. Justin Lindner, get on the floor and, and make some things happen, which Travis Light did. Tell me a little bit about that and what's that like, especially in in the Knoll Zone. When they get in the game, that's how you know it's it's a good Florida State win. Yeah. It's a good Florida State day. Everything's going well. The energy's high down there. Uh, you can see the the non students already emptying out. They know they know it's over. They know the writing's on the wall when those guys get in the game, but when they're in there and Travis Light in in the Miami game he hit two threes that's just so exciting you know these guys don't get too many too many minutes out there so when something like that happens and he went two for two had an unbelievable day he can tell his friends and family how how well he did you know that's just a big moment for all of them my favorite moment is when he comes in and hits a shot like that CY one of the assistant coaches is like loving it he's cheering those guys on (laughs) Coach Ham, uh, you know, he's been accused uh, mostly by fans and maybe a couple people in the media of uh, running the score up late in those games. I don't think that's the case. I think anyone who knows the makeup of this team and knows the role that those guys play know that they're just getting their opportunity and they work just as hard for it as anyone else. Um, but Coach Ham kind of wants them to pump the brakes a little bit, especially I've seen them go for in for shots with the shot clock, uh, you know, no longer in play. But... Mostly mostly in good fun. Sam, tra- Travis Light, one of the loudest moments of the game, right? When you yeah. hit that second three especially. Oh, yeah, especially. And we all, we all screaming in the, in the null zone without, we want 100. But, you know, Ham, <laughs> Ham had, other, had other plans. But, I mean, that's okay. It's, it's great when those guys come in and especially like Harrison Preto, you know, hitting that nice layup. You know, we, it's just the energy there. It's, it's all a team. But uh, 
But him, I think, needs to lighten up a little bit. Just let the players play. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't angry at anyone, but he's like, all right, guys, we don't want to, yeah. you know, especially Jim Laranega, coach that Coach Ham goes up against twice mm. a year. Yeah. Don't want to disrespect anybody, but overall, I'm okay with it. Love to see Travis Light pull it off. Let's transition a little bit over to the women's game, women's basketball. Had a huge week. They went on the road to Louisville, Kentucky. Sounds like Florida State owns the city of Louisville this year. Mm-hmm. Another big win over a top-10 program. Uh, the the uh, Florida State women's basketball team wins that one 67-59. Uh, a huge win for Louisville, against Louisville, which is a perennial national title contender. Louisville also dropped their game on Sunday to Syracuse by, I believe, four or five points. So is yeah. Louisville falling apart down the stretch well, here? Well, we'd like to see that win uh, bode well for Florida State mm-hmm. down the road. and Hopefully they get a chance to host some NCAA tournament plays. So Louisville, don't lose too much. Mm-hmm. I think Florida State's out of it for the uh, ACC regular season title on the women's side, but still good to see them pick up those big wins once we get closer to tournament time. Kai Gillespie. What a star. National Player of the Week. ACC Player of the Week. She is going to be a star. She's already a star at this level. She's probably going to be a star at the next level. In that game against Louisville, 10 for 20 from the field. Um, just absolutely 13 rebounds. She gets a double-double pretty much every time I turn on that TV and watch them play. Um, absolutely incredible stuff from Kai Gillespie. But, but the women's team, as well as the men's, find other ways to score the basketball. Nikki Akame with 18 points. Nadja Wolfolk with 11 they are also, you know, they have a bit of a big three with Gillespie, Wolfolk, and Ikamu. But overall, uh, just a really well-rounded team. They've got two really amazing freshmen, River Baldwin and Sammy Poesis, mixed in. Um, a, a well-rounded, deep team. I want to touch on a little bit of the scheduling for Florida State right now. They're coming up. They have a three-game win streak going right now after the win against Virginia yesterday, 63-55. And now they are off for the whole week until this next Sunday where they take on Duke at Cameron Indoor on Sunday at 1. Is the, I feel like this is the wrong time for Florida State to be taking this break, and I know this, obviously, it's scheduling, yeah. but like it's the worst time, I think, because they're really starting to find their groove again because they just came off like a little bit of a bad spell in the month of January, and they're hitting on the, all cylinders right now, and I'd rather not see this break come where it is. The break is, yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. The ACC scheduling, they have to do what they have to do, but... The Louisville win was electric. Yeah. The, my, the Virginia win on Sunday, not so much. Yeah. They struggled in that game. There was a ton of scoring droughts. They ended up pulling out the win 63-55, uh, but I did get a chance to get uh, to talk with Coach Sue Semrall and a couple of the Florida State players. Uh, let's hear from uh, Coach Sue Semrall. This is a Sunday afternoon after their uh, win over Virginia. Uh really excited that we were able to come in and get a win after a big win up at Louisville. It's a lot of times it's hard to maintain your focus uh, and it wasn't as pretty as we wanted it to be but we we held them defensively uh, under 40 percent. We out-rebounded them by over 10 and um, those are things that are really important to this our program and especially this time of year. You know these two um, Golly, I, I mean, Kaya in the first half uh, was just money. They changed up their defense in the second half to try to take her away, and then this money kid came and came to work, and uh, you know, a double double. Now she's in trouble because we're gonna expect it every night. Yeah, and there's Coach Sue, and in last week's show, Tyler Phillips uh, said she was in a real bad mood after they dropped a home game. She was in much better spirits, uh, even with this win, kind of being an ugly one. Um, it's still a win. Still a win. We're still a win. And that's why I still think it's the worst time for this break to come. Yeah, and they do have to work some things out. Not great um, from free throws. 
Uh, talked to Coach Sue a little bit about that. She said, well, we were really poor today from the charity stripe, but Louisville, I think they knocked down all but one of their, their chances. Um, another player that stepped up, I know talked about uh, the, the Florida State Big Three uh, being Gillespie, Woolfolk, and Akamu, Morgan Jones, uh, one of my favorite players, one of the most likable players on this team. Um, she, she hit a double-double in this game. She ended up with, I think, 11 points on the day and 11 rebounds, something that she really hasn't had the opportunity to do. She's more been more of a role player, but really kind of got to take center stage in this game, and I got the chance to talk to her as well, and, and I kind of asked what was a little different. Did she eat something uh, a little different for breakfast, or, or what was the deal? And, and, and these were her comments. Just locked in the whole game, to be honest. Um, just building up my confidence as the season goes on and just just playing hard tonight, well, this afternoon. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> She spoke last night for the first time at a big event, I and did. Uh, so I think she's getting her confidence. <laughs> yeah, Coach Sue, uh, pr- proud of Morgan Jones, as she should be. It was a great performance in Florida State, although there was a bit of a scoring drought, although uh, they kind of played down to their competition, um, they, they pulled out the win, and now they get a week off to, to kind of work out the kinks, try to put together another performance like they did against Louisville. Uh, but we're about halfway through the hour. We're going to talk a little bit of NBA trade deadline and do a little uh, Florida State baseball and softball talk. Currently, Florida State's trailing 21-11 against Duke. Uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk live on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. guys, this is Alex DePriest with your seminal segment. The 8th-ranked men's basketball team dominated Miami this week in a blowout 99-81 victory. The Seminoles' backcourt of Devin Vassell and MJ Walker combined for 27 points, uh, while Pat Williams shined in the front court, recording 14 points and 5 rebounds. This moves the Noles to 10-2 in conference played, tied with number 7 Duke for the second seed. The stage is now set for a head-to-head matchup with Duke. The game t- tipped off less than an hour ago. After the Miami game, Pat Williams spoke on the Duke matchup, stating, We're all just locked in because we know we have bigger goals. Duke is a big name. I mean, every game is big for us, so people are already talking and stuff like that. But to us, it's just another game where we have to go out and execute. The current score to the FSU-Duke game is 11-19 with Duke ahead, and the leading scorer for the Knowles is, Pat, uh, is, is Trent Forrest with four points. And for Duke, it's Cassius Stanley and uh, Matthew Baker with uh, six points each. Moving on to FSU softball. 
On opening weekend, Florida State softball recorded two impressive victories against number one ranked Alabama. On Fridays, the Seminoles would complete a rousing comeback victory in which they trailed 7-2 heading into the seventh inning. In this inning, Danny Morgan would hit a grand slam that would tie the game up. Later in the eighth, Elizabeth Mason would hit the game winner. Head coach Lonnie Almeida spoke with the victory, saying, It was exciting. I think I think, uh, I think, what we're all about right now is building our journey and seeing what we're all about. As impressive as this victory was for FSU softball, they would emphasize this comeback was not a fluke by beating Bama not once, but twice. In the game, second game on Saturday, the Seminoles would pour the runs on Alabama, winning 8-0. This second game would end in a run rule. In the game, FSU starting pitcher Kalen Arnold tossed a complete game with only two hits and two walks over five innings. This week, the Knowles also played the Detroit Mercy, in which they put up a program record 22 runs. This weekend's victories moved the Seminoles to 5-0 on the season. This has been your Seminole segment. Thank you for that, Alex. Obviously a big weekend for Florida State basketball and for Florida State softball as well. We're going to talk about all, everything that happened on the diamond over at the Plex in just a little bit. But with all the Florida State news, all the Florida State goings on, we've kind of been neglecting the professional sports leagues across the country. The NBA obviously makes headlines day in, day out, and they definitely did last week with the trade deadline. Some teams trying to... Uh, make some last-minute additions to their rosters as they prepare for the postseason. Other teams kind of looking towards the future. Uh, let's talk about some of these moves. I want to talk first about the deal that landed the Miami Heat. Andre Iguodala, they gave up uh, Justice Winslow and, and Deion Waiters, who I think has been waived since, but they got Andre mm-hmm. Iguodala and, and Jay Crowder, right? And Solomon Hill. And Solomon Hill. So, Gary, Heat fan, thoughts on the deal? Did Miami win this trade? I think they did well. I don't know if you can say whether or not they won it yet. We have to wait to see how Justice Winslow pans out because I really do like him and I'm sad to see him go, but I like bringing Iguodala in. He's a veteran presence who gives something to this kind of young team for when they, if they do make a playoff run because they kind of need that right now. And Jay Crowder adds a little bit of depth in the big man position for the Heat. And so I think they did a solid job on this. I'm just sad to see Winslow go. Iguodala hasn't played all year. Jake, is he going to be able to step right in for Miami and provide? I think he is. He's just got to get get right with the team, figure out what they're all about. You know, once a player goes to a new team, they they, they don't really know what's going on, so they just got to fit him in there. And I, I really like Jay Crowder with the Heat. Mm-hmm. I watched the game last night, and, and he was playing well. He can shoot threes just like the rest of them, that, them can, and he can drive and get in the paint and get fouled. So exactly. I think he was maybe the best pickup out of the three. Yeah, Crowder's been one of those big men that has utilized the three ball. It's been a lot more common in, in the modern NBA. Andre Iguodala, a guy that the Grizzlies weren't sad to lose. He hadn't played a single game for them all year. It was kind of known that they were eventually going to trade. They think they tried to do it in the offseason, just never came to a deal with anyone. Um, and were able to get him off to the heat. Pick up Justice Winslow, a good player. I don't think this was a loss by the Grizzlies in any way. They got a young team they're starting yeah. to build there with Jaw. Jaw has been lighting it up this year. It's they could be dangerous soon. They could be, and they they they've struggled, but looks like they're probably going to make the postseason this year. Uh, maybe as a lower seed, could be um, in in the West. But yeah, picking up Justice Winslow, I thought the Heat maybe had to give up a little bit more than they wanted, but they got in Iguodala, who is uh, a clutch player, a big time player in the NBA. Um, just kind of uh, you know unseen whether or not he's going to have it this year exactly another thing the heat did lose their enforcer lost yeah. james johnson that i i like james johnson just because he always adds that little presence of if a fight breaks out <laughs> the heat are going to win it so what are your thoughts on the heat this season gary i've i've kind of been lukewarm on them i know they're playing great 
but I don't. I I'm not convinced that it's sustainable yet. You've, you've been happy with the Heat so far this year? Of course. I'm I mean, sure they're top three team in the East right now. They're going to be playing solid ball. It's just I don't know if they can get over the hump that is the Bucks. The Bucks are going to be tough. Like I know they can beat the Celtics. They can beat. We know they can beat the Sixers. But <laughs> yeah, anyone can, can beat the Sixers. Exactly. Right now. They're a mess. Can they beat? the Bucks in Milwaukee and that's just the tough part like Giannis is just so tough to guard so tough to shoot like play against you on the def- when you're on the on the offensive end but I really like when this team's healthy like Butler I know has been out every now and then he missed a little bit at the beginning of the year with um the birth of his child yeah so I mean I was fine with that but I just want to see this team all healthy all together and trying to make a preseason a postseason run because this the culture around this team very good like yeah. that they've done a good job young group of guys but also some vets in there here and there and i think they have a really solid club and, and, and the goal would be to try to get up to the two seed i think the heat are third or fourth in the east right now Heat third i believe if they can get up to the two seed if they can catch up to toronto uh you if you would keep advancing you wouldn't have to pay, play milwaukee until the finals so i think that'd be the goal to get them in round three instead of round two um and uh if they do get to a chance to play the Bucks, whether it be in the conference semis or the conference finals, Sam, any chance they could pull that off? Uh, well, I'm a big Bucks supporter. I really think this is this is their year. So I I think Miami would put up a decent fight, but I still think the Bucks take well, it in five. The the Heat mm. do have some in five. Wow, in five. I, I could I mean I could see it. I see the Heat taking at least two of those games. But I see I, them taking two in Miami. But I'm unlike some other players uh, or some other teams around the league, the Heat have players that are capable of. Not guard. I don't want to say guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo because no one can guard him, but slowing him down to an extent. Bam Adebayo has been a Bam, huge standout player Bam. for the Miami Heat. He's got you know he's a I don't know what the equivalent of a five tool player in 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 basketball is, but Bam's pretty close. He's, he's super um, explosive, super athletic, and, and the Miami Heat so far are on the right track. Let's talk about the deal that landed the Los Angeles Clippers Marcus Morris from the New York Knicks. Um, it sounded like it was a race to the finish between the Clippers and the Lakers. For Marcus Morris, the the Knicks said they wanted Kyle Kuzma from the Lakers if they were to deal him there. Lakers said no deal. They turned around to the Clippers. In an original deal that was discussed, it looked like it was going to be a mix of Mo Harkless and then Florida State uh, former Florida State players Fiondu Cabangeli and Terrence Mann headed to the New York Knicks. And I had mixed feelings about that when I first heard this report, and it ended up not happening. They're staying with the, Cl- the Clippers, um, but I was thinking... Yeah, they might get more playing time in New York, but I don't I don't know if I want to see two Florida State players that I'm supporting so much in their NBA careers head to the New York Knicks. W- hey, Jake, what were your immediate reaction? For me, it for the Knicks is where NBA players go to die, especially the the young ones. That's just <laughs> their their entree right now, and I was glad that the trade didn't go through, but I think the Clippers won the deal with getting Marcus Morris in the end. The Lakers missed out on the trade deadline, didn't get much. So right now I think the Clippers are, are definitely ahead of the Lakers. And Gary, your, your thoughts on the deal? I was getting a little scared when I first saw the tweet saying the report that Fee and Mann were in the trade package. Because yeah. like you guys <laughs> said, that's where players go to die. and like They'll get rushed to the NBA and they won't have that time to develop. Kind of like Patrick Williams, like they won't have that time to develop and kind of grow into their game in a new level. So I really, I'm very happy that they're still in L.A. and playing in the G League and the Clippers system. The one good thing that was going on around that trade was that they were going together. 
I yeah. feel that the NBA won't split them up no matter what. So that's <laughs> uh, bad. they're we'll, battery we'll pack. We'll see. At least not for now. But <laughs> yeah. I, not I, for now. I did not think it was now. interesting that they were both included in those discussions. Terrence Mann, a second-round pick, has been regarded very highly so mm-hmm. far. He had an amazing preseason for Los Angeles. It's landed him a couple starts with the Clippers, who are the deepest team yeah. in the league for my money. He's been playing a lot in the regular season. Now, I know him and Fee probably wouldn't pick up any minutes in the playoffs if they do minimal minutes. Unless some injuries happen. But I just, want, I just want to be able to say... NBA champions, Fiondu, Kevin, Yelly, and Terrence Mann. I would love to say that. That's not going to happen any time in the near future if they ended up with the New York Knicks. Florida State's been on a bit of a run in this game against Duke. They're currently trailing 25-22, so the scoring starting to pick up for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, another deal that we're going to discuss uh, briefly, uh, the Atlanta Hawks picking up Clint Capella. I know uh, Austin Reynolds, our, <laughs> our resident Atlanta fan, is, is, is happy about that, I'm assuming, Austin? Very. He's saying he's happy. Uh, they they uh, give up Robert Cov or the Rockets ended up getting Robert Covington in this deal. Um, what were, what are the Rockets thinking giving up Clint Capella? I don't know. I, they're really leaning into small ball, small ball or die. <laughs> but can that? I thought Clint Capella was like the glue to what they were trying to do there because obviously they've got James Harden and they added Russell Westbrook. They they upgraded from Chris Paul if you want to call it an upgrade. I think it probably is. But Clint Capella was their other option. Westbrook and Harden. In the way this NBA is built, I don't think can carry a team to a championship by themselves. Who's there, Who's playing center for them right now? PJ Tucker. Yeah, PJ Tucker. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Sam, can they can they win a title with the current roster buildup? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, we saw the Warriors try small ball a few years ago against the Cavs, and you know we saw that worked out pretty well. But in terms of going against the likes of the Lakers and Clippers within the West. No, not at all. <laughs> Interesting. If, if, if you guys had to make picks right now before we move on to Florida State's off-ball, uh, who's going to be in the finals and who's going to win the finals? We'll start with Jake. This is tough. This is very tough. But I'm going to have to go. Bucks are going to be there. If they play the way they have all year and everyone's healthy, I don't think anyone can beat them like we said earlier. And who's going to be there in the West? And I think Clips are there. And who's going to win the finals? In how many games? I'm am with Sam. I think it's the Bucks year. Really? I think okay. it'll be v six. Sam, your pick. I mean, I already said it's the Bucks year, but uh, the West is a toss up. I think it's going to be the the Clippers or Lakers. I think Clips maybe in seven. We'll see some Staples Center drama. Uh, you think but, they'll match up in the finals? Uh, uh, in, the, in the conference finals? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I I that's my wish. That I, would be I, great to I see really all seven hope. game. Is there see a seven game series all? play out at the Staples Center. It's always fun. Be very oh, easy for travel. <laughs> yeah, well, not in L.A. There's no such well, thing guess. as easy travel in L.A. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, for my picks, I'm going to have to go with the Lakers. Team of Destiny kind of coming about for them with the whole Kobe passing, sadly. But I'm going to go with the Bucks on the East, and then Lakers take it. I'm going to have to throw a Dark Horse candidate in there. You guys have picked Thank Chalk. you. Thank you, please. The team okay. I've been watching. They've got, uh, in, for my money, one of the most electric players that doesn't get as much uh, talk J-Butt? No, 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 no. <laughs> the uh, Toronto Raptors going back out of the East. Uh, yeah. When they're healthy, you got Pascal Siakam. Fred Van Vliet is the guy I'm talking about. I decided that he has replaced Joel Embiid as my favorite player in the NBA. They've got Kyle Lowry. They've got OJ, uh, OG on an Ubi. Um, a, a really a deep roster for Toronto, even without Kawhi Leonard. But uh, I think the Clippers will make it out of the West, and Kawhi Leonard will beat his former team. Uh, and, and host that, that uh, hoist that trophy. That's crazy, what Nick Nurse. He's been able to kind of keep this team consistent. Granted, like they've they don't have as many. Or no, they actually do. They had uh, just as or I think they had the same amount of wins as they did. Like the same yeah. point. Yeah. I can't remember the same total games, but 
it was impressive to see that because you wouldn't think they would be pretty much the same win total as they were when they had one of the best players in the world. It would it would take a minor miracle for them to be able to stop Giannis, but Siakam and a mix of other guys, it's got to be a team effort. I think I think they can do it. And again, I'm just throwing a dark horse candidate out there. I'm loving watching the Tor- Toronto Raptors play basketball this season. Moving on to the Diamond, Florida State softball. About as good of a weekend as they could have had. Yeah. Four I mean, wins from four games. Uh, beating the number one ranked team in the nation coming into the tournament, the Alabama Crimson Tide, twice one in an, in an exciting walk-off. They went eight to seven. Gary, let's talk a little bit about that game and, and, and how huge that is for the Florida State softball program. The Tide is—they're looking overrated right now. Maybe they didn't deserve that number one spot because I mean, Grand. Maybe they looked like they deserved it in that first game because they had Florida State. It looked like big uh, Grand Slam sent into extras. Then the walk-off later on in the seven in the eighth. Sorry. And then the next game on Saturday, when I, I was at the game on Saturday, I wasn't able to make it to the Friday night game. Florida State dominated the whole way through. Yeah. There was <laughs> yeah. no contest. Alabama, I think, had four, maybe five base runners at the most that game. But they just could not get any offensive production. I don't think they got a single runner on third. They only had a few in scoring position. And it was just dom- pure domination. You look at some of the players that Florida State softball has lost, but the bats they've been able to keep and add to – I kind of thought going into this season it was going to be the bats were going to have to carry him. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's going to be the case to an extent. But Kaylin Arlen in this year, in this tournament, wow, she really stepped up big time against two really good offenses. She did. And granted, she hasn't been at Florida State all four years. She's a transfer from Tennessee, now a senior at Florida State. She proved to be that veteran presence that can carry these teams through these tough games. And she's played in big games. She's played in the SEC, one of the yeah. premier softball conferences. And she's played against Alabama. Yeah. So she really knew what she was doing out there that weekend. Well, Florida State loses Megan King. They lose Mackenzie Herzog. Mm-hmm. They bring in Kaylin Arnold from Tennessee. And you're thinking, okay, maybe she turns into something. And trying to figure out who this Florida State quote-unquote horse is going to be that every big-time college softball team needs, Kaylin Arnold. Could be her. She's looking like it so far. Yeah. The bats were still out there, obviously. Um, Danny Morgan, Cassidy Davis, uh, big hits throughout the weekend. They put up, a, I think, a program record 22 runs oh, against Detroit Mercy. Or like Detroit Mercy years. coming all the way <laughs> from snowbound Michigan <laughs> down here. Yikes. In, 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 I, yeah, that, it's It really like it hurts because like, seeing like this happens a lot in college baseball as well. You have all the northern teams travel south because this time of year because baseball and softball start in February. It's still cold up there. I I don't. That's why I don't go up there. <laughs> so like you get all these teams that haven't been able to see live batting practice. They haven't been able to do, have real game speed practice, and it kills them. Like that's why these teams like Detroit Mercy. It's going to be Niagara for Florida State baseball. We'll get into them later. But these northern teams, they start out their season maybe with two wins out of their first like seven or eight yeah, games, and it's rough. It's rough for them and. You really question if they're if they're getting better or not playing these games down south. Florida State currently trailing 29-24 against the Duke Blue Devils shortly out of the uh, under four timeout, the last media timeout of the first half. Keeping pace a little better, but still still trailing the Duke Blue Devils in this one. Florida State softball headed down to Clearwater, uh, big, biggest tournament probably in college softball. These early season tournaments, Gary, I, I wish I could go down to this one. There's gonna be Same. a lot of good teams playing in this one. Talk to me a little bit about what Florida State softball can expect going into the uh, this tournament. Well, just like this weekend, or I guess a little bit more than this weekend, tough competition because they take on was it number t- uh, number two Washington, number seven Minnesota, number fifteen Northwestern, Liberty, who isn't ranked right now, but and number four UCLA. 
So it's a ton of top 15 talent. And they played in the same tournament last year, and they did well. I can't remember their exact record or who they exactly played, but they came out of it for the better. And these are these kind of midweek tournaments. Like we even see with the soccer, FSU soccer, they played that uh, road trip out in L.A. Grand, they didn't do too well on it, but it made them better down the stretch because they had that tough competition early on. And then they kind of had to, they kind of got a chance to relax and play a little bit of softer teams and build up their schedule and build up their resume. Looking at the teams that came into this this tournament, the Joanne Graf Classic here in Tallahassee, I had no expectation that Florida State softball was going to walk out of this tournament that, this, that weekend with an undefeated record, with two wins over the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. And I know preseason rankings are all, a lot of times unclear, more often than they are not. Um, but now, given what we know about Florida State, what Caitlin Arnold might be able to bring to the table, what these bats can do late, they put up five runs in the seventh, won the game in extras against Alabama, and then put eight, eight on them the next time they played them. My expectations are through the roof, right? Through the roof yeah. going into the Clearwater Invitational. Oh, my gosh. They can walk out there and they can beat Washington, Minnesota, and Northwestern all in one weekend. They're going to have another, I think, probably pretty easy game against Liberty. Liberty. You got UCLA as well that's going to be there. It wouldn't sh- would it shock you guys if they walked, came back to Tallahassee undefeated still? For me, it wouldn't. I, I, I could definitely see it the way that they played this weekend. But in the long run, wins or losses in the tournament this weekend – no matter what, it's great experience against tough teams, and it's going to help them down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. And Coach Lolly Alameda, the win against Detroit Mercy on Sunday was her 700th win for Florida State softball. And the one thing I tell people about Florida State and Florida State athletics, the one thing that I think puts it, uh, puts it above every other athletics program in the country is the coaching consistency. Obviously, Bobby Bowden in football, Mike Martin in, in, uh, in baseball, Leonard Hamilton's been here for a decade and a half. Sue Semerall's been here for 20-plus years. Lonnie Alameda, Mark Kerkorian's been here for almost 20 years. Amy Bond. Amy Bond. Women's golf. Cecil Renault, mm-hmm. Trey Jones, men's golf. That, the, the coaching consistency at Florida State, their ability to find people to lead these programs to the next level, lead these programs to consistent uh, success. So many national titles coming in from different programs. Lonnie Alameda got one a couple years ago, and, and she has just continued that success. Uh, leading into the season, they were the number one recruiting class going into the year, a top 10 team. I think they moved up to number five in one of the polls, the softball polls. There is no clear you know, Paul, but I think they're number five in the coaches or the USA yeah, Today. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at them again because, like, they all kind of come out at staggered points throughout yeah, the week. Yeah, and there's no AP poll, so there's no mm-hmm. central poll you can look at and really kind of take as as, a, as concrete fact. Um, <laughs> no poll, not even the AP poll you can take that way. Florida State baseball, though. Opening day, opening night, I think, as they're branding it this year. This Friday, they've got Niagara coming to town. Not a whole lot to preview for, for that series but there's a lot to talk about for Florida State baseball in the start of this season. Uh, Mike, I almost said Mike Metcalf. We're going to talk about him later. Mike <laughs> Martin Jr. taking over for his father, Mike Martin, 11, uh, as the head coach this year. Some changes going into the year. If you're going to be at Florida State baseball this weekend, they're moving from the first base dugout to the third base dugout. Still don't like that decision, in my opinion. Now, Mike Martin can say whatever he wants about it. He made some excuse about the, the animals of Section B getting a better view of the dugout. He yeah, made, yeah, yeah. He made some other, he made some other comment. Third, he used he's to be close, over there. His third base coach, he still wants to coach third base. Did we win a championship there, though? Have well, SF as you won a championship, period. <laughs> so. uh, you're right, you're right. Mike Martin coaches third base. He still will coach third base this season. 
<laughs> wants that short walk to the third base coach's box. Also, wants to be able to communicate with his coaching staff, with his players. That's the biggest part I see offense. with that. But still, I, as a head coach, I feel like you want to be able to put your focus into the whole team at one time and not kind of delegate your focus to the base runners because you can still decide what the third base coach gives to the first base coach or the runner, whoever it may be. By relaying signs, it's simple as yeah. that. But like, I get, like, I get that it's just like his, it's his baby that he doesn't want to let go right now. But it's just weird to see like Florida State. Like, I don't, I don't think we've gone, we've tried to, fi- we have tried to figure out the logistics on it. But the team's locker room is tied to the first base dugout. There is a the, big set, the, a door, a directly. double door is right there that you go into their locker room from. And now it looks like they're going to have to go out those doors in the away team's dugout and then across the field into their dugout. Either that or walk from the concourse, or like through the concourse to the over to the uh, the third base side. I, and, and we're really making a mountain out of a molehill right now, but still. I, I just know, <laughs> as, as Gary, you and I are former, uh, you know, amazing baseball players, the... the uh, the pride we take in our dugouts and our clubhouses, and uh, it's, we're creatures of habit, and we like put that. It that way. And we like that. Conven- we're lazy. Let's just put it. Let's just put it the right way. We're uh, lazy. I'm not, I didn't say it. It wasn't me that said it. Uh, and so you know, it just uh, we we want everything to be handed to us as baseball players. But another decision made by Coach uh, Coach Martin is to remove the names for the back of the jersey. This one I don't think is as big of a deal. But some people. Some people really like it. Some play people are the, indifferent. Play for the name on the chest, not the one on the back. And that's what he said at his opening press conference when asked, you know, what, what, uh, you know, why that decision was made. I think it's probably because he, he just wanted to make some changes. Do the Yankees play with names on the back on their home jerseys? And, and they no, that's a titles, so. <laughs> um, But Florida State baseball uh, lost a lot of talent. Mm. Drew Mendoza gone. Mike Salvatore gone. J.C. Flowers gone. What is the identity of this team going into the season? I don't know. That's the weird thing. I, we don't know right now, and that's what's I think kind of crazy and fun about baseball. That like every team, every year, every game is different, and that's yeah. the fun part about this. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team kind of plays out. And I one thing that I'm really interested to see is CJ Van Eyck and how he can kind of step into the Friday night role and what he's going to be able to do because he got hot at the end of the year last season into the postseason run at the end of the regular season. But we've seen bits and pieces of him that maybe aren't the best and that are a bit concerning for a Friday night guy. And, and I know Drew Parrish was your guy last year, late in the spring mm-hmm. and into the summer. I believe uh, in Drew Parrish. <laughs> Drew Parrish did amazing things for the program. C.J. Van Eyck, though, he's got major league stuff. Yeah, He's going to be a first-round pick, and, and, and I think he's ready to step into this role as the Friday starter. He's going to get his first opportunity against Niagara this, this week. Sam, what are you looking for? Uh, I'm looking for, you know, he's he's been talked about a lot. Like you said, he was, I think, a preseason All-American, correct? Yeah. yeah he's projected know, in a lot of mocks. Preseason he's projected, first round. yeah, exactly. third-team All-American. Oh. And All-American nonetheless. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting... Uh, hopefully, I'm expecting a, a strong start. You know, sh- you know, get a nice shutout win. You know, hopefully, start out the season strong and show that he is an All-American like they expect him to be. Yeah, go a little quick update on the Florida State Duke game. Going into the half, Florida State has cut the lead to just one. They trail 33-32 against the Duke Blue Devils at Cameron Indoor just Stadium. Just as Alex wants. <laughs> yeah, down a point. <laughs> they are hungry going into the second half. Uh, we won't have any updates because we will be off the air. But uh, best of luck to Florida State basketball moving forward in the second half. Going back to this Florida State baseball team, Elijah Cabell is a guy that I'm really interested to see how he performs this season. Um, he was the highest-rated freshman in the in last year's recruiting class. Um, 
showed some really incredible things throughout the year. Some amazing raw power, but he struck out a lot. And uh, from what we've learned, he uh, might have done some questionable things around the program uh, towards this towards the end of the season. Not like behavior issues or anything like that, um, but kind of his his presence in the in the clubhouse and in the dugout and. Him and Eleven didn't get along. Let's put it that way. That's pro- yeah. That's probably the best and, and most concise way to put that. And ended up getting him on the bench for the entire postseason. T- obviously, we all know the legend of Tim Becker and what he was able to do <laughs> last postseason. Elijah Cabell, um, still one of the most talented players on this program, and he's going to get the opportunity to start again this year and really show what he's capable of. He's a modern day baseball player. He's swing for the fences and strike out a lot. So he's yep. gonna he has that certain athletic ability where he's gonna be able to do all the things you want him to do, but is he gonna kind of be try not to be as strong headed and do what he wants and which is swing for the fences and trying to hit bombs, which he's pretty good at. But like I said, also leads a bunch of strikeouts and that's the college game's a bit different that way and Mike Martin did not like his teams being yeah. played that way. He's a bunt get get him on, get him over, get him in, the three simple steps of scoring runs. So, which I we could disagree about, but that's for another show. I, I, hey, you're you're Mr. Analytics. I'm just <laughs> ba- pure baseball knowledge. <laughs> well, we, Gary, you and I did get the chance to sit down and talk with uh, Florida State's new assistant coach and recruiting recruiting coordinator Mike Metcalf, and uh, starting catcher Matt Nelson, who is draft eligible this year. So, cherish him while you can, Florida State fans. Uh, we got a chance to talk, sit down and talk. The full interviews from. Uh, our sit-downs will be available on our podcast, Talk and Shop. Mm-hmm. Should be up sometime later Wednesday this week. Wednesday or Thursday, for Be- sure, before Friday. We want to get it out before opening night. We got a chance to sit down with them. Uh, they got, they provided us with some great insight on uh, going into the season for Florida State baseball and what this new era of the program looks like um, under uh, Mike Martin Jr. So did want to provide you guys a little sneak peek, a little exclusive sneak peek from these interviews before we wrap up the show. So here is Mike Metcalf and Matt Nelson. Oh, there's excitement. There's excitement in the clubhouse. You know, they, they get after it every day on the field and, and put together um, good sessions with practice, with uh, individual work when we start off with practices. And there's a focus that um, is exciting to be a part of. You know, it's, it's always exciting at the start of the season, but it's, it's real and it's genuine. And, and this group enjoys being around each other and working hard together. And they're all striving for, for the same goal, and that's to win ballgames. You know, coming into the season uh, as a sophomore, you're definitely a lot more excited for the season to come back around. Um, you're a little bit more relaxed, but you know, you know the flow of things. You know how things are ran and doing inter squads and everything. I think we're all kind of getting tired of playing against each other and just ready to face some other people. And that was a quick preview from our uh, interviews with Mike Metcalf, the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator for Florida State baseball, and Matt Nelson, uh, the starting catcher for Florida State baseball. Gary. How excited are you for for baseball season to be back? Oh my gosh, I love the spring. This is my favorite time of year. We get baseball season, getting into full swing, spring training, the March Madness gets rolling around, and most importantly now, or one of the most important things, the XFL. The XFL. We'll <laughs> talk my, a little bit about my the St. Louis Battlehawks. We might have to get killed it on a, on a graveyard shift episode as well, because th- there is a lot of talk about with the XFL. That is going to do it tonight uh, for Tomahawk Talk. Florida State currently trailing Duke by a point at the half. Thank you tonight for uh, to our producer, Sebastian Nilgeriano, to Scott Clemens on Twitter, to Alex DePriest uh, for our seminal segment. Thank you to Sam Collins, Jake Mossing, and Gary Putnick. I'm Brett Rutherford, and this was Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.